Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Stacey Cunningham, who is the president of the New York Stock Exchange. Hi, Stacey. Hi, Bella. How are you? I'm great. It's a beautiful sunny day, so not too much to complain about. Good, good. So just to get started, Stacey, what is your background and how did you come to work in your current role? Well, I expect that my background, like many others, is, is a little bit varied. So I, I didn't have the expectation that I was going to go into finance throughout throughout my earlier earlier days. In fact, I always liked math and science. So I studied math and science in, in school. And when I went to college, I studied engineering, expecting that that would be a natural field for me to go into considering my, my interests. And as an engineering student, I was trying to get a summer job, which proved to be harder than I expected at the time. Perhaps I could have started a little earlier. My, my mom would certainly tell you. Uh, but what I ended up doing was getting an internship on the trading floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And I didn't know anything about the financial markets. And it, I must have been on the trading floor for less than an hour when I just fell in love with them. I, I, I never realized how interesting I would find it. And so I spent uh, the summer working on in the financial markets. And then I transitioned after school. I finished my degree and then went back and I, I worked as a trader for 10 years recognized a time to, you know, I felt like it was time to move on. So I've worked in a, a, a few different capacities. I ended up working at NASDAQ for a few years. And then I came back to work for the exchange itself at the NYSE just 10 days before it got announced that we were being acquired. So I, I led part of the team looking through that transition and, and as we evolved as a, as a company and, and stepped into a chief operating officer role and then the head of the exchange almost three years ago. Wow, I think your background kind of attests to the flexibility that you must have in the financial industry and kind of how that's allowed you to kind of use your skill set and kind of build on that. Well, actually, Bella, what you just said, I think is so important. And I, I think skills are really more important than experience in many ways. And so what I always focused on was how can I help? How can I dive into whatever we were tackling as an organization? And it was less about what am I experienced doing? And I really would challenge everyone to look at their skills as what's really unique and valuable to them and, and not so much as what the roles were doing. So I never expected through, through each phase of my career, I never, never had a plan for what I was working towards next personally. I was always focused on what's coming next for our organization and how can we achieve those goals. And then my career followed, followed that progression. That's not the same for everybody. And I guess the message I would say is that's okay, right? Everyone can have their own path to finding their career. Some people know exactly what they want to do and they chart a course to get there and, and make sure they're doing all the right things to get them to that end result. That wasn't, that wasn't my path. And I, my path was really more about how, how could I contribute value? And, and then the opportunities presented themselves to me along the way. I think that's incredible advice. Absolutely. So kind of diving in a little bit more into kind of what you're currently doing, what would you say is like the current focus of your work, kind of what's your day-to-day -day experiences? Hey, I will say running the New York Stock Exchange has no day-to-day. -day. <laughs> it, it varies so much each and every day. And it's such an interesting job on that front. You never know, you never know what's going to come with respect to market activity. So it, I might come in one morning and something's happening in the markets and that becomes the focus of the day or there's a new company that's about to go public and their IPO becomes the focus of the day. And so it really does vary each and every day. And sometimes you know what you're, you're coming into and sometimes it's a complete surprise. But we really sit at the crossroads between 
business and, and the, the private and the public sector, right, as people are, are going public. And so that, that's the most fun part of my job because it's really varied as I get to see all of the different companies that are raising money in the public markets so they can go out and change the world. And they literally are changing the way we live, work and play every single day. And that's, you know, it's, it's hard not to get excited by that and, and watching them create the opportunities for others to invest alongside them. Absolutely. And I think even to what you were just saying, I think it's very fulfilling that you were able to watch all these people kind of achieve their dreams, whether that be getting an IPO or, you know, the markets, et cetera. I think that's really great that you get to kind of watch people fulfill these dreams and kind of watch them and help them succeed and hold their hand along the way. Yeah, it's opportunity for them and it's opportunity for others. So the, the, you know, our capital markets are, are really the engine that have, have led to this country growing so rapidly and everything that we've seen and everything that's accomplished. And it does, it does create a framework for a dreamer and entrepreneur to be able to raise money and scale their, their business, scale their products and services, make it available to the masses and not just the few with means. But at the same time, they're creating an opportunity for others to share in that success when they go public. So when they're private, there's a small group that gets to share in their growth. But when they go public, the everyday investor gets to, gets to invest alongside them and plan for their futures. The company's creating jobs along the way. And we very often forget about the, all of the other knock-on positive benefits when companies are going public. And it's such an important part of that story of our capital markets. Exactly, yeah, absolutely agree. Kind of to switch gears just a little bit, and I know you you spoke a little bit about your background in engineering, but do you think diversity is a problem in the industry, anecdotally speaking? And also just, I mean, like I said, with your backgrounds in engineering, kind of what are your experiences regarding that? Yeah, I think diversity is a problem in a lot of industries, and it, it goes beyond just having diversity, but really creating environments that set people up to have an equal experience and to really be included in the environment. And so diversity is really only one piece of that puzzle that, that leads us to, to a, a better shared success. I, I recognize that more later in my career when I, I didn't really think about my gender when I was on the trading floor, even though there were very few women down there, it just didn't occur to me that I should be thinking about that. And it, it just wasn't something that I felt like defined me. So when I, if you asked me, Bella, to give you a list of 10 or 20 things that described me, being a woman wouldn't have been high up on that list. It just wasn't, this just wasn't what I thought about. So when I, when I recognized the fact that, that there were very few women in the industry, it, it really wasn't something I thought about. But what's important is that that in itself is an accomplishment for women, right? When, when the first woman became a member of the New York Stock Exchange, she had to think about it because there were no women. So she had to fight for that. And I didn't, I was able to go into that role without thinking about diversity because she had done that work. So I think it's, that's one really important lesson is that anytime you push the boundaries and redefine them, you're, you're really redefining them for everyone who follows you. That, that's one key component. Then later on in my career, as I became a more public figure and I saw how important it was for other women to see women leaders in industries where they're typically not a lot of female leaders, that, that I realized how important it was to, to be public about that, to talk about my experiences. And I realized how I, I, do, I do think a little bit differently. And some of that might be because I'm a woman. So even though I wouldn't have described myself as a woman when I was giving you those listed criteria, a lot of the things I would have described about me 
may have come because my gender was different. And so our diversity is really what makes us more valuable. And you should never try to fit into an environment when you're outnumbered because that's not what makes you valuable. What makes you valuable is the fact that you're different. And then we need to, as leaders in, in those businesses, look for ways to encourage that diversity of thought because just having a, a gender diverse or racially diverse employee base doesn't mean that you're opening it up for a real diversity of thought to be have equal voices at the table. And so that's that's a, 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 the phase that I think businesses really need to challenge themselves to face. And, and when you tend to hire from your networks and build from people you know and recruit out of, out of the community you, you know already, and if the industry is not diverse, you're going to perpetuate that. So we've really had to challenge the way we hire, the way we the way we talk to each other and offer people our opportunities, because there are some differences, you know, generally between the way uh, different different people respond to opportunities. And so recognizing that and, and offering them in a different way is really one of the things that is important for us to, to driving more equality within the workforce. Definitely. And I like kind of what you mentioned a little bit earlier about kind of having someone to look up to and how someone had already kind of done the work when you came into your role. And so you didn't have to think about it. And I think that kind of leads into the importance of having someone to look up to and having, you know, someone to kind of set the law for you and kind of lay down kind of what things should be like and kind of having that person to kind of strive and achieve for. Yeah. And you can know them or not know them and they can have any profile. So I, I Muriel Siebert was the woman who was the first member of the exchange I didn't even know who she was when I when I got there. So her her work really influenced them. She changed my life, and I I never met her or, or or knew her. But then there are also leaders that you do get to see, and you see how they operate, and you see how they carry themselves, and how they might take a different approach, and that's helpful. And then there have also been many men throughout my career that have been really valuable sponsors for me and helped me advance throughout. So I, I would I think it's important to to be a mentor, be a sponsor, and be mentored and be sponsored. And play that role on both sides of the both sides of the equation because we're all we're all in it together. Absolutely, and especially how gender diversity is important. I think just all diversity is equally important, and that kind of plays along to the importance of just having all different types of people to kind of be influenced by you and to influence other people to kind of continue that um, transition of ideas. Definitely, definitely true. Yeah, so kind of moving forward a little bit, has the lack of diversity that you kind of mentioned that you saw a little bit later in your career, has this affected any of your actions that have gotten you to where you are now? Yeah, I think recognizing it is the first step. And, and when you see, even from my own personal situation, being open to opportunities that I hadn't been open to earlier because I may have had preconceived notions about my experience. And, and like I said, when you, when you focus on your skills, it really opens up a, a lot of doors for you. If you're hung up on what experience you have, you might say no to opportunities. And it is frankly just much more common for women to, to uh, not, not accept an opportunity when it's presented the first time and to wanna actually think about it a little bit more before taking it, especially when, it, when it's a, 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 personal, a personal opportunity. And I've seen that progress throughout my career in, in ways that I've become more open to accepting things outside of my comfort zone or outside of my, my specific experience. And just because you haven't done something before doesn't mean you wouldn't be good at it. And I think making sure that people understand that is, is important, but it also comes down to how you operate and how you offer those opportunities. Because I, I certainly have seen it at play when I see another woman offered a role 
And if she says no the first time, I'll very often say to the person who offered her the job, well, did you ask her a second time? Because sometimes you need to, to, to process what that change would be and how you're going to solve the problems that might be issues with, with taking that role. And, and so that's certainly been a way that I've adjusted how I progress and, and, and provide opportunities for people internally and make sure that, that our teams are doing that more broadly because it's, it's really easy to check it off the box and move on to the next one if somebody says no, but very often they're saying no for very prob um, solvable problems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I actually read an article and the article was saying that a lot of the times like women will apply to less jobs than a male would because they don't feel like they check every single, you know, requirement for the position. And that kind of comes from a lack of confidence that a lot of the time what you mentioned, you know, asking someone twice, I think a lot of it sometimes can come from a lack of confidence. It's kind of been built throughout society at times. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's been my personal experience. I was offered a role once that uh, I declined, or actually I, I wasn't explicitly offered it. Somebody said to me, hey, who do you think could do this job? And I didn't suggest myself because I recognized the fact that there are parts of that job I had never done before. So I didn't think I was qualified for it. And then a, a woman that I work with pulled me aside and said, hey, he actually wants you to do that job. I said, well, he didn't ask me to do that job. <laughs> he just asked me who I thought should do it. And when I, I said, I'm not qualified for that job. I haven't done X, Y, and Z. And she literally said to me, that's such a female response. You're thinking about all the things that you didn't do. And I said, oh yeah, you're right. Men, men wouldn't have thought about it that way. And they, they would, uh, you know, they would assume that they've, they've done it before. And she's like, no, they don't even know what they don't know. <laughs> you know, like they don't even think about the fact that, that it's, um, that it's a part of the job they haven't had opportunity doing before. So that really put it into perspective for me. And, and that's really what drove me to recognizing the fact that I had to ask the question more than once because of that explicit conversation that I had with her. And I could see it in myself that I, that I had been, you know, hesitant to do that. And, and it's absolutely true is, is women tend to want to have 90% of the qualifications where men are more comfortable stepping into roles where they, where they don't have that experience. Definitely. Um, so another question that I kind of have is kind of more so related to finance, but why is diversity important, especially in technology and in finance? And would you say there's any type of association between women and their skill sets as it pertains to these more financial roles? Yeah, I, I, diversity of thought spans industries, right? We're, we're creating products, we're building businesses, we're, we're, do, we're using things and creating things that the world is using. And if you're only having a certain subset of that world weigh in on what those look and feel like, you're not going to develop products that make sense for people. And so we really need to get a diversity of thought and it should reflect our, our broader communities, our stakeholders, your employee base should, should reflect the groups that you're serving and, and having, having that across the board is so important. And, you know, certainly in finance and technology, there's no reason for us to not have a more diverse workforce than we have today. So it, it's really it's really critical to making sure that we're serving our stakeholders' needs. Definitely, and like kind of like we mentioned previously, especially kind of not just gender diversity, but every single form of diversity that you can have. Yeah, I, I really I I often say diversity of thought because you can have two women who don't think the same way. And, and so you, you really wanna make sure you're getting people who think differently, but very often our gender, our racial, our socioeconomic backgrounds, our geographical backgrounds, our experience backgrounds, they lead us to having more diversified thinking. And so if you're hiring a whole bunch of people who look the same, came from the same background, went to the same schools, 
you're less likely to have a group that thinks differently about how to solve problems, asks different questions. And I've learned early in my career, it's much more valuable to have the right question than to have the right answer, because that's really what pushes us to evolve and, 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 and think differently. And so that diversity is not just about gender, it's, it's about every element that we you know, need, need to be really reflective of, of the, broader, the broader ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. And kind of like you mentioned, you know, community kind of is what shapes who you are and the way that you think about things, the way you proceed and in work and in life and in relationships and in every single aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even the, the profile of your family, right? I mean, I'm I'm one of six kids. My my uh that certainly has had a lot of influence as as to who I am, how I operate, and why I talk so fast. <laughs> definitely. So I think kind of moving forward a little bit, kind of into the future, are there any steps that you believe we can take to minimize the gap that we've kind of discussed and whether that be like culture changes, kind of like we previously discussed, mentorship programs, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. First of all, focusing on it and recognizing it, talking about it makes more of a difference than you think, right? If, 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 you, if you are, you know, it comes down to how do you write your job, job recs when you're trying to hire somebody? But having that conversation is really important. Measuring it is really important. If you don't measure it, I mean, as a business, we measure so many different things, right? And the most important things we're measuring all the time and looking at it all the time. If we really want to see diversity change, we need to measure it and take action. Here at the New York Stock Exchange, you know, we think about diversity and our impact on it in three different buckets. There's the governance of our own company. And so at ICE, our parent company, we've worked really hard to make sure that we had a board of directors that was really diverse and has different viewpoints, different experiences, both both gender, racially, and across the board. Then there's also the within our employee base and all the steps that we can take to diversify our employee base and create opportunities for more equality and inclusion. And then third, in our community outside the exchange. So two years ago, we launched the board advisory council at the NYC, which is designed to tap into the power of the NYC CEO network to change the face of corporate boards by providing diverse candidates to sit on boards for all of the members of the exchange. So if somebody's looking to add a new board member and they want to have a recommendation from a CEO who's, who's listed on the NYC, they can come to us and get some, some recommendations and then have that connectivity and that referral. Cause that's how most board seats are, are filled is really through referrals and, and getting that, that uh, personal recommendation. So taking that process, we've made a lot of progress and we've seen, you know, boards boards today. I mean, if you look at the Russell 1000, the NYC listed companies that are in the Russell 1000, 99% have a woman director on their boards. 91% have uh, at least two or more, and I think it's 83% have 20% female representation. That's very different than it was just a few years ago. It's certainly getting a lot more attention and more focus. And investors are demanding it, which is which is a, a good way to see the markets really drive for this change. But we still have more work to do. Twenty percent isn't fifty percent, and so we still have we still have a lot of work to do. We're making progress, and we're we're working to help help make that go a little bit faster. Definitely, I think progress can just be made every single day, and it's the small steps that make the big difference in the long run, especially. Yeah, it's our collective work. Exactly. So what do you think will be the role of women in finance in the next 10 years? Do you think we'll get to that 50%? You know, I, I look forward to the day when we're not talking about it because I feel like then that will mean that we got there, right? That, that, we, that we got to a place where there really is equality and it's something that we, 
laugh to think about that we had to even even ever talk about. So that we you know we're we still have some work to do, but we that's certainly a, a goal. And when when women are in senior roles, either as CEOs or other senior leadership position, we talk about it and we celebrate those events today. And I, I do think it's important to celebrate them because, like you said, we want to make sure that others can see what's what they can accomplish. But at the same time, the fact that we're celebrating them means it's unique. And I look forward to a day when we're not celebrating a woman becoming a CEO because she's a woman. Exactly. I absolutely agree. Could not have said it better myself. So in your opinion, what steps can younger generations of women in STEM take to be proactive about creating the changes in male-dominated sectors? First off, I think you have to find your passion. And I found mine accidentally when I walked onto the trading floor. I didn't expect to enjoy it. So expose yourself to as much as you can, because when you're passionate, you're going to contribute so much more to, to your job every single day. And we spend so much of our lives working. It it's, it's a, makes it a lot easier when you actually enjoy what you're doing. And so I, I encourage people to find that. And then once you get there, embrace your differences. Too often people want to fit in to an environment where they where they stand out a little bit, and and that's not what makes them special, right? Really, what makes you really valuable is the fact that they do think differently. So we're not going to change the profile of of the workforce or of companies or of industries if we don't if we don't go into it with our own unique and authentic selves. And and there's no reason to not be yourself in whatever environment you're in, even if even if you're outnumbered. I think especially kind of feeling uncomfortable is hard and especially going out of your way to seek the uncomfortable experiences is what can be the most difficult and being able to put yourself out there in that way and face rejection at times, which is, I think, a big part of kind of what we've talked about a little bit is just the importance of also, you know, being rejected and kind of dealing with that and coming from that and growing from that and learning and everything that comes along with that. Yeah, and rejection is a, is, is, it's a good thing to be able to handle it, you know, and so you don't, you don't, uh, you know, you don't want to look back and think, I wish I had tried. And I don't know what, what would have happened if I had tried or if I had pushed harder and, you know, being rejected, that's just a, you know, it just becomes a part of part of life. Right. And you learn that early on. And so that I can get past, but, but questioning whether or not things could have been different, had I done something differently then that, that, you know, that, that becomes, you know, I, you want to avoid that regret. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think just kind of in conclusion, do you have any final advices for young women interested in finance and STEM? I think it's important to play your own game. So be you, be who you are, learn as much as you can. Uh, and don't, you know, I, I, I think certainly making the connections that you can make, learn from as many people as possible. I believe strongly that you can learn from everybody around you. And there isn't any one person that you should hold out there as your mentor or, or sponsor. I really believe that I've learned from people, whether they've reported into me or I've reported into them, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity to learn and figure out what questions to ask, because that's really how you grow is when you're asking more questions and, and you can contribute a lot of value, especially in finance and STEM by asking a lot of questions about how things work, why they work that way and get to the root of how can we challenge the status quo by you know asking the right questions gets you to challenge that because at some point somebody doesn't have the answer and usually when they stumble on the answer that's a good reason that it's time for that answer to change definitely i think that's really great advice and i think a lot of 
women like me look up to you and all of that you've done and the way that you speak about your experiences. Oh, thanks, Mila. I, I you know, it's, I've had the great opportunity to work with so many wonderful people and learn from them. And I think we're all a product of, of all those we've had to get, a, have gotten a chance to meet. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Stacy. Thank you. Well, that's all for today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you guys next time.